Well, believe it or not, we are right in the middle of another, or the beginning of another amazing feast, the seventh feast in the feast that God has given to us. And it started just, a, what, about an hour and a half ago at sunset. So we've just stepped into it, and it will continue through sunset next Wednesday evening. So this week is this final feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, and uh, we have just entered into it. Do you want to know what we've stepped into? Do you want to understand biblically and, and in the uh, plan of God what's going on here? I do, and I love this time every year as we get to repeat it and study it and, and let God give us different revelation and deeper revelation and understanding and application of these amazing feasts, these appointed times that God has set up on His calendar. They override man's calendar. They override your calendar. They override people who don't keep a calendar. Come on now. These are God's times that He has set, but He is a, His appointed times He has set for us that we can meet with Him in a special, special way. I know you say, you know, with Jesus, we have access to God 24-7, and yes, we do. And we have the presence of God now dwelling in our bodies. Our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Spirit of God dwells in us, and yes, He does. But God said that during these feasts, he was going to spend extra time. He was going to do special things for us. And if he's the one in charge and he wants to do greater things during these times, who are we to stop him? Amen? Amen. So you know the seven spring feasts. You probably know them by heart if you've attended Christian Embassy any amount of time. You know Passover, what a wonderful time of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ fulfilling Passover as His blood was shed. First fruits, He went in uh, the ground buried sinless. He was our unleavened bread. That sacrifice and that feast He fulfilled. Then there's uh, the first fruits, the third day when he rose from the grave, and he's the first fruit of the resurrection of which we will follow. Praise God. Then 50 days later was what? Pentecost, the day of power, the day of the church's birthday, the day that you and I, the church age, was initiated with the presence of God and the power of God which means we should operate. If we started in the presence and the power of God, we should be continuing in the presence and the power of God. Away with the idea of having a form of godliness and denying its power. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God in our homes. We need the presence of God helping us raise our children and our grandchildren. We need the presence of God and the power of God and the provision of God on this side of heaven. Somebody say amen. This is the church age. This is the day and the age that we, the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, who have found redemption and salvation and sanctification in and through Jesus Christ and empowerment by His Spirit for us to rule here on earth as it is in heaven that we would stand here and bind and loose, and we would do spiritual warfare, that we would see the supernatural manifest of the power and presence of God here on earth as it is in heaven. It is not just something we get to do, it's something we've been commanded to do. 
You are commanded to stand. You are commanded to occupy until He comes. That means do the business of heaven. Do the business of the King until He comes. You are commanded to put on your armor and to fight. You are commanded not to give up any ground, but to come against the gates of hell and the gates of hell not prevailing against you. I'm telling you, we shouldn't be running in retreat. The devil should be running in retreat. If we in this church age would rise up in understanding and application of who we are. Our homes are not afraid that the devil's going to come through the front door because we men of God and we women of God can stand at that front door and say in the name of Jesus, devil, I've submitted myself to God and I resist you and the devil has to flee. You don't have to negotiate with demons. You don't have to have, uh, you know, like when parents sometimes split up and they go and they get custody of the children and there's laws that, that legislate when they get uh, their time with the child and the other one their time and there's their split uh, custody of the children. Let me tell you what, there's no law no law that you have to have split custody with a demon. Come on now. It is no reason you say, well, you know, these are the bad days of, of, of my life. These are some bad days of the month. So I, the devil just gets, no, no. There may be payday. And you may look at that as a bad day, but when you wake up as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, my help comes from the Lord, my provision comes from the Lord, my wisdom comes from the Lord, and what I do in the name of the Lord of hosts, He's going to get the glory and the honor. You don't have to have a fear day like a, pay, a, 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 a bill day when you got to pay out because you know your resources are greater than that outflow because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. You've got to know that. You can't live in fear. Don't let the demons of fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. That is not from Him. Don't put up with it. I know people deal with fear when it comes to dealing with finances. I know people deal with fear when it comes to dealing with sickness and infirmity and, and in the body. Let me tell you what, in iniquity, those are some areas that fear comes in. But the church, we're in the church age. We, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to fear. We need to not allow those spirits residence. We should not allow those spirits a voice in our lives. We need to know who we are and whose we are and declare it and stand. Stand in that. Hallelujah. This is the church age. This is the day and the age that in the wisdom of God, He saw that He could give to His creative order authority and power and His name and His blood and give us His Spirit and allow us to occupy until He comes back. He in His wisdom saw this. So I don't see the church as a weakling and I don't see the church as a, an unlearned nothing. I don't see the church as an insignificant entity. I see the church not as an organization but as an organism with the living life blood of Jesus Christ and the wind breath of the Spirit of God in us. We just have to take a deep breath and take our stand. Hallelujah. He said, submit to, the, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. There's no negotiations. There's no trying to figure it out. It's that simple. It's that simple. Hallelujah. And if he says he's Jehovah Jireh and he's not a man that he should lie, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide. 
Pastor Rodrigo was telling the story of our closing yesterday, and just yesterday morning there was a shortage there. But thank God there was a plan B. He had made a way already that we could, we could go ahead and close. It just wouldn't be depending on the full miracle of God working through His people, the church. So we said, no, plan B is staying in, 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 the, in the shelf. We're not pulling that one out because we're trusting the Spirit of God, the people of God, to hear the Spirit of God and, 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 and to do that. And here, right, you know, it says, oh, Pastor, can I get the bank accounts, uh, the church's bank account? I'm coming by the bank. I'll put money in the bank. $10,000, will that help? Hallelujah, will that help? Glory to God, will that help? Praise the Lord. So it just took us over. But that's 10 of the 200 that you guys, God has worked through you. Now, because God was able to get it through you, He's going to bring more to you. I can promise you that. That's just how He works. That's how He works. He says, you're going to give and it's going to come back, pressed down, shaking together and running over in good measure. He's not a liar. Some pre preachers say, well, we don't preach on prosperity. We don't want people to think we give to get. Well, I'm not giving to get, but I'm not going to deny how the kingdom of God works. I'm giving because it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why I'm giving. But if God says it's coming back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, you think I, I with some false humility, is going to deny that? No, it's time for the church to be the church. God needs to bring more resources. If He was able to get $1,000 through you or $5,000 through you or whatever it was for this here miracle expansion of faith that we were doing, let me tell you what, He's just testing you so He can gear you up to do even more. Do even more. And as I've said before, when the fireman is, is, is shooting the water out of the hose onto the fire, the hose gets wet first. So the flow of what God is bringing through your life, you're going to get wet first. You're going to get the blessing first. And don't be ashamed of that. And don't thank God for it. This is now, the feast that we're in is a feast that is where we get thanksgiving from. So this is a time to be thankful. To be thankful for what God has done. To be thankful for what God is doing. And to be thankful for what God is yet planning to do. Hallelujah. So these are the four feasts in the springtime. We come into the church age. That's us right now. But then there are these three feasts that are going to wrap up the finale of what God is doing. And that's going to be the fruit feast of trumpets. You know, several weeks ago, Brother Harry was ministering. Thank you, Elder Harry, for filling in for us while we were on the West Coast. And he was here. You fully persuaded, preaching the Word of God. That was sunset. That was the Rosh Hashanah. And uh, that was the Feast of Trumpets that corresponds with the rapture. I'm here to tell you, the rapture is going to take place. Just like Passover was fulfilled, just like unleavened bread was fulfilled, just like uh, the, the uh, first fruits was fulfilled, just like Pentecost was fulfilled, uh, trumpets is going to be fulfilled. There will be in the twinkling of an eye, in the last call of God, there will be the dead in Christ who will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That day, that moment, that quicker than a twinkling of an eye is yet to come. And as God has fulfilled that in the past, He will in the future fulfill everything jot and tittle, just like He said. So don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't try to figure out if it's today or if it's tomorrow. We should plan as though we're never going to see the rapture in our, day, in our lifetime. 
planning and evangelizing and advancing the kingdom of God, but we should be prepared as though it's going to happen before we take our next breath. We need to have that balance in our lives. We're not going to sell everything we own, give it to the poor, and move up on a mountaintop and just sit there waiting for the rapture to take place. He said, occupy until I come. Do business until I come. So we're to stay busy, but to keep our eyes up because we know our redemption comes from on high. Hallelujah. So the trumpets will blow and there will be the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the dead in Christ uh, that are already passed on. Their bodies will be resurrected to meet their soul there in heaven. And then there's atonement, the Feast of Atonement. And I think we were here last Friday uh, talking about, not, just, uh, not this, yeah, it was last Friday, we had the Feast of Atonement at sunset through sunset Saturday. And uh, that was Yom Kippur. What an amazing time as we correspond with the second coming of Jesus. He is coming back to this earth. He said he was, and he is, I guarantee you. And uh, we're going to see a great war and tribulation and a finality of things are taking place here. But he's going to split the eastern sky. He's coming back. Hallelujah. And he's going to set up a millennial reign, which uh, corresponds with the messianic kingdom age, which is what happened here an hour and a half plus ago with sunset when we now are in the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, the Feast of Sukkot. That's where we're at right now, and it corresponds with the Messianic kingdom reign, that millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is also going to take place. Hallelujah. And God says, the reason I give you these feasts is that you'll be reminded of me, you won't forget me, and you'll also be reminded of my plan. And he says, these are feasts of celebration. So if you've got a long face, you need to turn it upside down right now. That frown's got to turn upside down. This is not a time for sadness. This is not a time for sorrow. This is not a time to be looking at what the devil's doing. This is a time to be looking at what the Lord is doing. Come on now. The devil's trying to get distraction out. He's trying to let the world think he's bigger and badder than God. But let me tell you what, our God, he still reigns. Hallelujah. Our God is still on the throne. And in the last finality of all, we will see who is king of kings and lord of lords and who is laughing at that puny little thing that is being thrown into the eternal abyss. As the scripture says, we the believers, when we are there and he's being thrown into the eternal abyss, we will laugh and say, you mean that? Punk, that thing right there wreaked havoc on the nations. Come on now. But he, but he got so much uh, stardom because he got so much attention. People, people will look at the negative quicker than they'll look at the positive. People will look at what we don't have rather than what we do have. People will look at the little ache and the little toe and, and forget that the other thousands of cells and body parts and miles of, of artery and veins and all that makes up our body uh, is not hurting, you know. And uh, so I'm telling you, he, we're going to look one day and say, you mean we let that little pebble in our shoe uh, affect our walk? And we'll laugh at him. So God has set these, uh, these feasts up so to keep reminding us through the year uh, who is on the throne. Who has a plan and who's going to fulfill that plan and that we can be a part of that plan. So the reason God wanted us to celebrate uh, these feasts was that we could celebrate his presence and his power and his provision and his goodness and the joy of the Lord. 
See, the Lord wants you to live a happy life. He wants you to be, you know, Brother Harry, I think, uses, says the phrase, I've heard it many times, happy wife, happy life, right? Well, you know, and, and uh, God wants you to have a happy wife. You men say amen. Amen. Because you know happy wife is a happy life. Amen. Boy, you bunch, you're just scared. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yes. <laughs> he wants you to have a happy life. Even if you don't have a wife, and if you're a wife or a woman, you're not going to have a wife. And if you're a man, you may not have a wife, but he wants you to have a happy life anyway. And that's what these feasts are all about. Leviticus 23:33. let's look back at what we were looking at Sunday morning. He said, God spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. God said this back in Moses' day, and here we are tonight still celebrating what God said do. Hallelujah. I believe we're putting a smile on God's face tonight. I think God is happy with what we're doing. He says here, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All of our native of Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. So he's telling the Israelites in particular as a nation and a nationality to pass this on to their children that when they were in the wilderness for those 40 years, coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land, they lived in booths that had open roofs so that they could see the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. They could see the presence of God at daytime and they could see the presence of God at nighttime. And if God was to move, they had to move because their provision came from the Lord. And God says, I want you to keep your eyes on me. Then when they were going into their, the promised land, God says, you know what? I have a concern. I know you. I know your nature. You're going to go in. There's houses there built that you didn't have to build. There's vineyards you didn't plant. There's cities you didn't have to construct. He says, there's businesses that are set up. You're going to go in and you're going to reap in this land and you're going to prosper in this land. And he says, and I have a concern that you'll forget me. You'll forget me. See, God doesn't want us to forget Him. He wants you to be blessed and still look into Him as the blesser. He wants you to be healed and looking at Him as the healer. He wants you to have power looking at Him as the one that gave you the anointing and His glory to walk in that power. He wants us to keep a relationship with Him. So he says, when you get in so that your children and your children's children will know, every year in the Feast of Tabernacles, build these booths, and for seven days, I want you to dwell in them so that you can teach them and remind them that they too need to keep their eyes on the Lord and that you, if you had the tendency to get your eyes off of me, to get your eyes back on me. He wanted them to celebrate God's goodness and celebrate that they had survived. Let me tell you what. How many of you in here tonight got some goodness of God you could celebrate? Anybody got some good reports of what God's done in your life? Anybody in here survived knowing that it had not been for the Lord, you wouldn't even be here right now? Let me tell you what. We've got a lot to do, just like the Israelites do, in celebrating the goodness of God. And God also wanted them to look up through these roofs and be reminded that the God of the harvest of the last year is the God of the harvest of this coming year and he's a God that takes us from faith to faith and glory to glory so he wanted them to look at the new harvest that is yet to come as better he wants them to be prepared to receive more he wants them to uh, look up and look and see that God's calling them to up their accounting skills you've been used to dealing maybe with one comma you got to start learning to deal with two commas come on now 
You, 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 you gotta, he says, you've got to up your accounting skill. Trust me that I take you from the next level to the next level to the next level. So, so that's why he wanted those, these uh, roofs, uh, the roofs open up that they would get their eyes on the Lord. And as I said earlier, the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles is what we would call here in America Thanksgiving. Uh, and if you'll study your history, you'll find that the pilgrims, their first Thanksgiving was on Sukkot. And uh, as you'll find that that journey was financed even by, mainly by the Jewish people uh, as they came here to set up Amer America here. Praise God, a land of the free where we can worship God and celebrate His goodness and plant a cross and say, in the name of Jesus, this land will be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's why I was so excited to close yesterday another acre of this land that the cross was planted in and claimed for the advancement of the kingdom of God now belongs to the kingdom of God. I don't know what's happened over there in the hundreds and thousands of years on that plot of land, but I can tell you what's going to happen is going to be about the advancement of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And you and I are a part of that. Praise God. So... He says, I want you to look through those roofs. I want you to re remember that it was my miraculous intervention that got you out of bondage, that got you out of slavery and brought you into privilege and brought you into the promises. And he wants us to do the same because at one time, each and every one of us was bound. We were a slave to sin. And the Bible says the wages of our sin and the wages of that was death. We had a death sentence on our head. And we had an eternity of separation from God and an eternity of damnation in hell. That was our sentence. That was what was we were found guilty of. But let me tell you what, there was a divine intervention on your behalf and on my behalf. For God so loved the world, come on somebody, that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the angel said, you shall call his name Emmanuel because this is God with us. Hallelujah. Did, did you know that most scholars believe that the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles is Jesus' birthday? That tonight, this is Jesus' birthday and, and, and that he was then circumcised on the eighth day. So after the Feast of Sukkot, that goes to seven nights and the eighth day would have been when he was circumcised. Come on now. And, and, and they've taken it from John the Baptist and Zacharias and when his term was and serving as a, a, the priest and all that they find, they've taken it and uh, Jesus uh, being conceived six months after uh, Elizabeth and they've taken that up to today and they said it comes into the 15th day, around the 15th day of the seventh month of Tishri, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> so here Thanksgiving, where we get Thanksgiving from is where we also get our Christmas from. And it's all the divine intervention of God. So we could truly say happy birthday Jesus tonight and probably be much, much closer to being accurate than if we wait till December the 5th. I can promise you that. So what an amazing time that we're at tonight that we should be having a party in our spirit. We should be having a party in this church. We should be having a party here tonight. And I am. I am. I'm, I'm just on low carb right now, so we left the cake out. Praise God. But we're celebrating the goodness of our God, the miraculous intervention of heaven on earth. And that's why God wants us to keep our eyes on heaven. 
He said, build these booths that you'll be reminded of your temporary dwelling place when you were in the wilderness to remind you that I am Jehovah Jireh. See, God wants to be your provider. He wants you to be reminded of that. If you got a need tonight, is there a need in your life tonight? God wants you to look to Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to expect to receive from Him. He wants you to believe His Word. He wants you to believe Him, that He's a God. He's not a man that He should lie, that He's telling you the truth, that I want to, I want to show off in you. I want to show out in you. I want to do good things through you. I want to bless you. I want to provide for you. So much so that he sets feast up with open thatched roofs so the people would look up, say, God, why? What if it rains? He says, who cares if it rains? Let the rain be a sign of the blessing from heaven. I just want you to look to me as your God, your provider, as your Jehovah Jireh. Would you today stop being Mary? And start being, I mean, Martha, and start being Mary. Martha, Martha. He didn't rebuke Martha for preparing the food. Thank God. Or we'd have had to get a doctrine of, uh, to the ladies, you can't prepare food. The ladies probably would have loved that, but, you know, nah, we enjoy cooking, right? Men and women, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so he, he didn't rebuke her for, for cooking the food. He just, he rebuked her for worrying. Mary, Mary. You're so worried about everything. You're so uptight. Look at what Martha, I mean, look at what Mary, she's chosen the better. God wants you to look to him. Stop looking. Oh, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. He never told Martha that she shouldn't be doing this. In, in all the other homes Jesus went in and people made things happen. You know, he didn't rebuke them for that. It's just when they think that if they don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. He said, know that you're not in this by yourself. Know that I am Jehovah Jireh. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God wants to provide supernaturally where he gets the glory. Amen. I mean, here your church is leading the way and you're a part of it where we're supernaturally advancing and he gets the glory. Many, many, many of you were participated. But thank God we participated in such a way that the glory doesn't come on us, that he gets the glory. Amen? So he wants you to look to him as Jehovah Jireh. He said, I want you to look to me as Jehovah Rapha. I want you to look to me as a God who heals miraculously. I created your body and I can heal your body. Actually, I've already provided the healing for you. And in what my son has done, now I'm showing you and I'm teaching you and I've given you my Holy Spirit to help you learn how to, by faith, appropriate it or take hold of it. And that's a learning process. But if you don't believe that he's your healer, you're not even going to be on the journey to build your faith to appropriate it. Come on now. But he says, I want you to know I'm your healer. Has anybody in here got any area in your body or your mind or in relationships that needs healing? I encourage you tonight, look through the roof. 
Look through the thatched roof. It's open. God wants you to see the stars. He wants you to see that full moon out there. He wants you to see the sun rise in the morning. He wants you to see the clouds. He wants you to know that higher than your circumstances is a God who is providing for you. And He wants to manifest Himself in and through your life. Hallelujah. So He has given us this Feast of Tabernacles to remind us, He said, and to remind our children and our children's children that our eyes should be on the Lord. So it's the Feast of Tabernacles. But if you'll study your words, you will also find it is called the Feast of Nations. The Feast of Nations. Now, I can't help it. I don't know why. There's some parts of the Scripture that I get so giddy inside that I just I, I don't have words for it. I just sometimes just hoop and holler. I mean, in my, in my quiet time with the Lord, and my private place he and I he laughs at me he and I know he laughs at me and sometimes I say Lord I know you're laughing I just can't help it you you and your word and your revelation is greater than my mind I mean I, I'm not going to lose my mind because of this I'm just going to get giddy when when it goes when it short circuits when it's too awesome for my mind to comprehend the awesomeness I just get laughing hallelujah and and and, and that's between me and the Lord I, I, I pray I don't have you go through that uh, because you probably wouldn't just like if I were to preach a whole sermon in tongues you wouldn't get much out of it but maybe start laughing yourself some of you look like you need to start laughing more you know they say it really helps your face not get wrinkles so fast if you laugh so some of you need to start laughing a little more no I, I, I better watch out now I'm getting in dangerous territory and uh, so here it's called the Feast of Nations as well. And the reason being is because Sukkot's during this time, they would take 70 bulls and they would sacrifice 10 of those bulls each day for the seven days. So tonight, this is the first day between now and sunset tomorrow would be the first day they would take 10 bulls and they would sacrifice them and put their blood on the altar for the nations of the world. And they would do 10, 10, 10 for seven days, which would be 70 bulls, because in that day, it was believed to be 70 nations. So there was a blood sacrifice for every nation under heaven. Hallelujah. So this right here just lets me see the goodness of God once again, that He loves every person from every culture, from every tribe, from every nation, of every skin color, of every tone, of every dialect. He loves us all. Because in this feast, he was making sure that there was blood sacrifice for every one of the 70 nations in the world. There again, remember, this corresponds with uh, God for loving the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came and shed his blood for the world that whosoever would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That whosoever believes should be saved and not perish, right? Right? So it's for everyone. Well, Feast of Nations, this was the sacrificial uh, order they had to make sure that every nation, tribe, and tongue, culture, and nature, uh, nature was covered by the blood of Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God who tabernacles with us. And it's the Feast of Tabernacles. He's tabernacling with us as He is also being our uh, redemption, our blood sacrifice for all nations. So this is just an amazing time. So as we're celebrating this new year, they're celebrating Rosh Hashanah, this new year, 
for us, it's five, seven, seven, eight now. We're a couple of weeks in here, uh, and, and, they're, and they're once again thanking God that this is going to be a great year. This is going to be a miraculous year. This is going to be a, a year like when the Israelites were in the wilderness, and there was no sick among them. Somebody say amen. And there was no one uh, with lack among them. Somebody say amen. There was no divorce among them. Somebody say amen. Everything that the devil had planned, God had blocked it, and they were supernaturally covered with that, with that hoopah, with the covering of God, the tabernacling of God with them. So that's what they were calling on during the Feast of Nations as they would go through uh, this, this uh, celebration and the sacrifice that God had called them to do. So here's what they would do. They would take these seven bulls, and I mean these ten bulls a day, for seven days, and they would uh, sh shed their blood and place the blood on the altar so that salvation or sozo would be available for everybody under the sun. And that means you too and every one of us. God provided salvation for every one of us. And the salvation word that is used corresponds in the Greek with sozo, which means eternal, eternally secure, or means that I, I, we don't have to worry about the devil uh, pulling the plug on heaven and us not having a place to go to. That's the security of it. And that we could also be made whole in body, spirit, and soul here while we're on the ground. And uh, so during this, this Feast of Sukkot and Feast of the Nations uh, with, the, with the Jews, they called it the Messianic period or the Messianic age. That's why I put on the chart the Messianic age as when the Messiah is going to come and he's going to, and the world's going to recognize him as the Messiah as, he, as they gather in Jerusalem. There's going to be a great battle there and they're going to see him come and as he comes and redeems and he saves and he gives the victory, they're going to look up and they're going to say, look, this is truly the Messiah. So, so on Sukkot, uh, you would forever live under the blessing of the Messiah. So that's what they're saying. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And uh, we are going to live under the blessing of the Messiah. Now, you and I have, because of our faith, already the blessing of the Messiah. We don't have to wait till that day. Come on now. We don't have to wait for that day for him to come and give us victory in our battles. We don't have to wait for that day for him to come and to lift the, the curse and lift the plague off of mankind. We already, because at his first coming, while many in, in did not recognize him and did not accept him, there were those who did. And God says, I will go to the Jew first, but if they reject me, we're going to the Gentiles. And he takes a man of the Jewish law, like Paul, fills him with his Holy Spirit, and sends him to the Gentiles. And he takes an old fisherman, a Gentile like Peter, and sends him to the Jews. Come on now. And God's got a, got a sense of humor in what he's doing here. But let me tell you what. The word was preached, the gospel message went out, and those who would believe could receive the Messiah. So we don't, so we don't have to wait, even today, there are those in the Feast of, of Nations that are waiting on the Messiah to come to give them some relief. You and I have that relief in and through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. 
So here, before the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., they, they continued this. Uh, even after Jesus' death, they continued this for, for these seven days of Sukkot or nations. They would come in and they would, uh, for these seven days, divide the animals up ten by ten, or ten, 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 into seven groups. And then they would divide the priest up into three groups. Boy, I love this here. And, and one of the groups of the priests would go out of the east gate, which would be out this way, and then another group would go out the west gate, which would be behind me. And then there was this group that would go out of the water gate, which I think was to the south. And, uh, and it went out to the pool of Shalom. So the one group that went out to gather sacrifices for the blood offering. So they're going and they're taking care of those bulls, those ten bulls that are going to be brought in and sacrificed on that day. The other group went out and cut some willow tree branches, these willow tree branches. And willow, we know in the scripture, gives reference to sorrow and crying and tears. They actually, willow trees look like they're crying, look like they're sad, they're, the way they hang there. And they would go get that because the Messiah had not yet come and they were still in sorrow and there was still pain and there were still tears. So they would go get those willow trees and then uh, the other group would go out with a high priest to the pool of Shalom and there uh, would go and gather what was called living water. This is the pool where Jesus healed the blind man. And if you remember when Jesus said, when you drink of me, you drink of what? Living waters. And he was making reference to this uh, feast and this, this part of bringing in the living water. So when the priest went in and he dipped the golden pitcher, he had a golden pitcher and he dipped it into the pool of Shalom and he lifted it up, it was declared that now this is living water. This is messianic water. This is that water that the Messiah is going to bring that you can drink of the earthly water and thirst again, but if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Actually, you can take a drink and it gets converted into a river that begins to flow out of your belly. That is miraculous. It's amazing. But, and next to him was another priest, assistant, and he had a silver pitcher, and he would dip it into the... Uh, he didn't dip it into the water. He had in it, squeezed, fresh grapes, and he had the fruit of the vine. And the, so the blood of the grapes was in the silver pitcher, and the living water was in the golden pitcher. And, and, next, and, and then there would be the call of the shofar, and the shofar would uh, sound out, and all three groups, the ones that had the blood sacrifice, the one that had the trees, and the one that had the pitchers of gold with uh, living water, and the silver pitcher with the blood of the grape, they would all come back to the gates that they had exited from. And at the call of the, the, the shofar, as they would come back to those grapes, as they would come, you would hear the bulls making their sound. Uh, you know, you, as, as they, were, they were yet being led uh, to the sacrifice. And then those that were instructed to go get the willow trees, there were those that would take the branches and, and they would uh, 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 wave them through the air. And they'd make that sound as they would go through the air. And, and they said that that sound was the call to God to send the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what they, they believed that to be, this sound. And they would do it very aggressive because it was a call out. God, send your Holy Spirit. God, send the Holy Ghost. God, send the anointing of heaven as we gather here for this sacrifice. And at the same time, there was the high priest and his assistant coming back with the living water 
and the blood of the grape, the fruit of the vine. And they would get to their gates with the sacrifice, with the tree, and with the living water and the fruit of the vine. And the moment they met at the gates, the shofar would make a different sound, which would now call out the flutist. And a flutist was the man playing a flute who would come out uh, in the temple. And the flute in the scripture always represented the coming Messiah. So the flute was like the sound of the coming Messiah. So the one who was playing the flutist was called the pierced one as he was calling forth the Messiah who was going to be pierced for our transgressions. He was going to be pierced so that we who were sick could be made well. He's going to be pierced that we were bound in sin would be free from our sin. He, would, he was going to be pierced. So he was called the pierced one as he's playing the flute. Now watch this. Here comes the blood sacrifice from one gate. Here comes the tree from another gate. Here comes water uh, and the fruit of the vine from another gate. And here's the pierced one coming into the temple playing the messianic processional leading them all three to the altar. Now I want you to picture this. I mean, I'd love to reenact it one day. I know it would be great expense and, and a lot of work, but man, I can just picture all of this happening. And the first ones that come up are the ones with the bulls. And they sacrifice them so that all of the world could be adopted into the family of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they would lay those bulls on the altar, and the blood would just cover the altar. Then it says they would remove the carcasses, uh, but yet the blood would have to remain. And then the second group would come and they would lay the trees on the altar. And they would angle the tree branches all around the altar, making a sukkot, making a tabernacle, making a booth over the, the blood, over the altar there. And that symbolized that uh, this, this uh, hoopah or the canopy or the covering of God that God provided for them in the wilderness. So here's the blood sacrifice, and here's for all the nations, and here's the hoopah or this canopy or this booth symbolizing that the Messiah is going to come as a bridegroom. Now, if you'll notice, Jews even today, when they get married, they get married under a hoopah. I, I actually have one. I'll probably have it set up here Sunday morning or maybe next Wednesday night. It's beautiful hoopah. They get married and represents the covering of God, represents the marriage covenant, represents that, 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 that God is involved in this not for one day, but from that day forward, just like a marriage. You get married, but it's not just for that day. You guys have been married, what, 50 Six years, 56 years, 56 years ago, they entered into covenant. And the marriage didn't end that day, begin and end that day. It just started that day. And for 56 years, you know, they've been in that covenant. Well, that's what this is saying with the hoopah, that this is a marriage covenant, that this is uh, God is not going away. He's coming in with more. Hallelujah. And then the high priest that would come in with the living water and he would pour the living water on the blood. Now the water symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And the water symbolizes joy when you do a study of water in the Scripture. And here's the water being poured out on the blood of the offering uh, altar under the hoopah or the covering or the marriage canopy of God. Now, now this takes you back to what Joel was saying. In, 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 he says, is it not which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days that God will pour out His Holy Spirit? and our joy will be overflowing and there will be signs and wonders and miracles will come. 
So, so if you can see this, they, they, they brought Jesus. He was the sacrifice. They hung him on a tree, right? They pierced his side. The pierced one is playing. And wound, out of his wound came what? Blood and water. This is the only time, the time that they're calling on the Messiah to come when they add water to any blood sacrifice in the temple or tabernacle, ever. This is the only time that water is added. And the reason why is because the blood washes away our sin, but the water pours out God's joy and God's blessings and, and, and heals us of a broken heart. God doesn't want you to just live being forgiven. He wants you to live being filled with joy. He wants you to be filled with His goodness and filled with His pleasure and His blessing. He wants your broken heart healed so that you've got a smile on your face, that you're nice to people, not because you make yourself nice, but because the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, is in you, that God is made a transformation in and through you that you don't have to work it being nice you got to work it being mean come on now because the spirit of god and the joy of god and the life of god is in you all of this is pictured here and then and then this associate would come and he would pour the fruit of the vine on the altar never never in another place in the scripture do you see this either and the reason why is because the fruit of the vine the blood of the grape is a sign of the marriage covenant it is, he's showing us that this is picturing the Messiah is coming to marry himself with us, to be our provider, to be our protector, to give us joy, to bring, bring heaven to earth, to bring his kingdom to our kingdom. This, this uh, fruit of the vine is the symbol of the marriage vow. This is why Jesus' first miracle was at the wedding at, right at Cana. Come on now as he turned the water into the fruit of the vine. If you'll do a study, he didn't turn it into the rotten, intoxicating wine. He turned it into the fruit of the vine because the fruit of the vine was the freshness of life and it was full of sugar and sweetness and joy. It wasn't bitter and it wasn't one that numbed you, but it's one that gave you energy. Let me tell you what, the miracle there at that first wedding, his first miracle was at a wedding. He's trying to tell us something, hallelujah, because he says if you come and you drink of the fruit of the vine together with me that we will be in covenant it will be initiated and they would never leave us as a husband would never leave his wife he would never leave us he would never forsake us and as a husband does for his bride so he's going to do for us he's going to take care of you he's going to provide for you he's going to protect you he's going to bless you he's going to feed you let me tell you what you're not going to live in need anymore because your God has Come to this earth not only as your Redeemer and your Savior, but also as the Bridegroom. Hallelujah! And we, the Bride of Christ, He's come in covenant to make that covenant commitment and provision for us. And the covenant is sealed by the blood of our Messiah. Praise God! In John 7 and 2, we see this feast being referenced in the New Testament by Jesus says, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. You move on to verse 37. So it gives you the context of what this is happening, how this is happening. We're at the feast of tabernacles. We're at the feast of nations as we just entered tonight. And it says on that last day, so next Wednesday, right before sunset, that would be corresponding to verse 37. So it was on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
man, here's Jesus at the temple. He's at the temple. He's in there celebrating Sukkot. He's celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And like I said, it was on the seventh day, so it would be next Wednesday and corresponded to this. When all the people had come in, and they had all come there, and they poured the, the, the blood on the altar, they had placed the, the, the tree on the altar, they have now poured the living water on the altar, they have poured the, the uh, fruit of the vine on the altar. All of that was preceded by the flutist playing, uh, uh, the messianic processional. All of that had been taken place. And, and on the last day, the seventh day, they did something a little different. What they would do is they would walk around the altar seven times as they're wrapping up their final day of the feast and getting ready to go into their, their next year. They wouldn't be back for another year for this feast. And they would circle seven times. And this is where the Jewish, and a Jewish wedding, if you've ever seen one, the bride walks around the bridegroom seven times. And um, that's where they get this from. So on the seventh month of the seventh day, after making 70 sacrifices, they have brought in the blood, they have brought in the trees, they brought in the water, they brought in the fruit of the vine, and, and they declare, last year was good, last year was good, but this year's going to be better. And that's what they're declaring. Last year was good, but this year's going to be better. And as they walked around the altar seven times, pouring that living water out seven times, just pouring out the water little by little, the water representing the outpouring of God's Spirit, right? The outpouring of blessing and the outpouring of joy and the outpouring of an open harvest and, and the outpouring of God's favor on their families and on their herds and on their flocks and on their businesses and celebrating the joy and the goodness of God. That's what all this is saying. It's being poured out. It's going to be poured out. It's going to be poured out. And every time they would walk around the altar and they're pouring out the water, they would shout, they would say, save us! now and as they would go around they're saying every time seven times pouring the water save us now save us now and I don't know how long they took to walk around before they would come back but they would all shout it together in unison like a choir save us now save us now it was at that moment when Jesus cries out and says I'm here they're saying, Messiah, come! Messiah, save us now! Don't make us wait for another year. Don't make us have to just have a hope that you're one day coming. We want you to come now. We want you to save us now. And the Bible says on that last and great day of the feast, John 7, 37, that Jesus stood up while they're saying this. And He cried out. He didn't just say it. He cried out. They're crying out, Jesus, Messiah, Emmanuel, God, come be with us. Come, save us now. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. And if any man thirst, let him come to Me and drink. And he who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's like Jesus couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. He's there watching them walk around the altar, begging for His coming, begging for His presence, and pouring out this living water symbolic of, of Him and His Spirit. And He just cries out, I'm here. I'm here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, doesn't it make the Scriptures like, wow. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. Now I know why Jesus said that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me tell you this. There are people even today who are still going about 
And they're still pouring out a symbol of some sort saying, I need God to come. I need God to help me. I need God to show Himself strong. I need God to bring some joy in my life. I need God to take this weight of sin off of my life. I need God to provide. I need God to make a way where there is no way. I need God to show Himself strong and mighty. I'm in a bad situation. Oh, I just need, I need. I'm here to tell you as Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. His voice is to be heard through the Word of God tonight. I'm here! I'm here! And if you come and drink, drink of this living water, drink and believe as the Scripture has said, you will find the fullness of the manifest of my plan for your life. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord. And if you would say this out loud, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe it's my turn. I believe it's my family's turn. I believe it's my church's turn for a greater outpouring of your supernatural power, your presence, your anointing, and your glory. Father, I believe you sent your Son. Jesus, you came. And I receive all that you brought into my life now. So I pray that you would bring it now. Your joy, your anointing, your abundance, your glory, your power. Bring it now in every area. Exceedingly and abundantly. Fill my life. Fill my family's life. Fill my home. Fill my body. Fill my mind. Fill my life with your presence and your power. Holy Ghost, I receive you in the fullness measure. The fullness of measure, I receive you now. So use me as a vessel of supernatural power. Use me as a vessel of your glory. Use me as a vessel to reach the lost. Use me as a vessel to share your joy to everyone I meet. Exceedingly and abundantly use me starting tonight. Starting here at Sukkot. Starting right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. There, there, this is the night. This is the night that we're going to stop, step over the threshold if you, if you so desire into all that God has for you. Some of you may be struggling here tonight with something. Uh, they just, it's been hard for you to shake. We all have those moments. But the Bible says that where one comes together, we can fight a thousand, but two, ten thousand. And where there are two or more gathered together in Jesus' name, there he is in the midst. And we're stronger together. And Jesus sent them out to minister two by two. So I believe that some of you may be struggling, and it may be because you need somebody to stand in agreement with you. Your faith and their faith. And what's so wonderful is this church is filled with ministers. Every one of you have been called into the royal priesthood of God. 
to be ministers of the gospel. Every one of you ordained and, and, and appointed and anointed by God to go forth and to advance His kingdom. And I know there are some of you here tonight, your faith is at a place that you're willing to stand in agreement with somebody and to see heaven manifest on earth in somebody's life that's maybe had a little hard wall that they keep hitting. We all have those at one time or another. Thank God that we can have somebody that we can join our faith with. So we're just going to close around the altar here and I'm going to ask prayer ministers that you feel your faith is there and you want to stand with somebody. You just want to share the joy and the love of God and your faith with them. I want you to just come and stand here and if you need prayer, and you've been hitting a, maybe a, a hard wall or you've been struggling with an area and you just can't get your breakthrough or can't get through, you need somebody to stand in agreement with you. Let me tell you what, I need you to just come on up. Find one of these ministers and let them pray with you as you, they minister to you. I just also want you to turn before you leave, I want you to minister to them. Would you do that? If you're nothing more than, than brother or sister, I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. So if you need prayer, come on up. Don't leave here in Sukkot. Don't leave here knowing what we know with any bondage, with any burden, with any hard place in your life. Would you come? Father, we just thank you tonight for these wonderful men and women that are willing to stand here tonight to offer a prayer of agreement, to offer a, a helping hand to offer a smile to, that your joy can flow through them to those that maybe are struggling in an area tonight. And as I pray, just come on up for prayer. Just come on up. No delay. Just come. If you need to see it broken off of you, just come. Father, as they come, Lord, I pray by your spirit. Lord, that it would break every chain. Your anointing would break every chain. Your anointing would break every chain. Let your anointing flow, Lord God. Let your anointing flow. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that wants to see that thing broken off tonight? Does anybody don't want to carry that, that, that thing back home with you? Just, just step out. Just step out. Two, standing together in agreement can accomplish more than one can. Just come. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for the miracles. We thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you, Lord God, for the joy. <laughs> the living water that's being poured out, the fruit of the vine that's being poured out of covenant of marriage, of provision, of joy, of the fullness of your glory. Let them come, Lord. Father, I pray by your Spirit that they would not carry this thing home with them, that they would not leave here, Lord God, under this heavy weight anymore, but they would come and find uh, freedom and find deliverance and find release here tonight in a prayer of agreement. Would they come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We minister, Lord God, your word. Let it go forth into the, into the internet, Lord God. Let it go forth in, through the television, Lord. Let it go forth into the radio waves, Lord God. And let it go forth in our lives, Lord, as we go forth in power and we go forth in your glory. Lord, we just pray that you would touch each and every one as we prepare now to go into our homes and to go back into the life that you've called us to, the ministry that you've called us to, the family that you've called us to, Lord God. Lord God, as we go, let us be ever encouraged by you 
with a renewed sense of evangelism that each and every one of us Lord God would would listen to your call and respond Lord God to the, the, the wooing of your spirit Lord God in, 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 in through each and every one of us to take our testimony and to take the love of God and share it with those who do not know Lord God to rescue the perishing Lord God to go out and to let our light and let our words and let our testimony and let our relationships be intentional Lord God that we might deposit your goodness and deposit your presence and deposit your anointing and your glory into the lives of those who are less fortunate don't know you that they might know that the scales of their eyes might be removed and Lord God that they might come to call on your son Jesus as Lord and Savior as we have Lord, I pray that as we go to be ministers, to be evangelists, to go and advance your kingdom, Lord God, that we would go out of here with joy and we would go out of here in power as we go in the name that is above every name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah.